number two of the Dan Jacobs Show. A little bit more about this contract. Keep an eye out on uh, DenverSports.com on Monday at James Merrillette's article. Oh, this is, this is nice. So this is the conversation James and I were having. And my point is just Russell Wilson. James's point is Russell Wilson just had one bad year. Well, I don't agree with that because his last year in Seattle was not a great year. They won. They were, he was six and eight as a starting quarterback. Um, now, if you go to touchdowns and interceptions and total yards, it, it, if you just want to be a stat geek, you can say, well, that wasn't a bad year from the quarterback position. He had 25 touchdowns and only six uh, interceptions, and he had 3,000 yards. Okay, he won six games and he lost eight. Yes, he was hurt, but it was a bad year. Did he come back too early? Yeah, he did. Was he good when he came back? No. Has he been good since that injury? No, not at all. Are we going to simply bury our heads in the sand and pretend it didn't happen to then get to the next stage of James's argument, which is, but let's just wipe that all away. He got injured. He really hasn't been good since. I think James said the last maybe couple games of that year, they were they were good. He just came back. He had a few bad games when he came back. But he really hasn't been good overall since. He also wasn't accurate that year. That was one of his um, least accurate years as a passer. That was one of his um, least productive years as a yards per game uh, quarterback. Um, like, it was not a good year for him. So, like, somebody on the text line is saying, that's the team's record, you idiot. Six and eight is the team's record. That's not his performance and stats, you idiot. By the way, I've never called anybody an idiot twice in one text. So I am an idiot when I say his record was six and eight, and you say I'm an idiot because those aren't his stats. I just want to make sure we're 100% clear on this. Because... If you go to his stat page on profootballreference.com, under his stats, it says game started 14 QB record, which is a stat which they keep under him for him personally, is 6-8, and eight, which, of course, was also the team's record on games that he started. So I guess that makes me an idiot because they actually do keep the stat and put it on his stat sheet. You're saying it's not a stat, but it's on a stat sheet, so I'm an idiot. And you just set your own personal record for calling somebody an idiot. Well, I guess if you're proud of that, there you go. Here's the problem with the contract. For what James and, and somebody else on the, on, the, on the text line says, Dan, it's not as bad as you think. Because um, you can spread, allegedly, the the cap hit over two years, right? So, for example, um, if, if you do the certain the, the post-June 1st designation, they change the rule that instead of having to eat everything in one year, you can do it over two years. Now, here's, here's a caveat. I always do not like having these conversations because you see a lot of stuff on the Internet. People say they're 100% right and then they're wrong, right? Um, but even if, let's just say, on its face, 
that's true. If you were to cut him after this year, you're talking about 35 to 40 million per year for the next couple years and then even more after that and then you go down to like 18 a year, things like that. So you're still talking about an absurd amount of money percentage of your cap that you're paying to Russell Wilson to not quarterback your team. And why is that important? Well, maybe it has happened that you've had a team, I just can't think of one, that went on to be a championship-caliber team that was paying 10 to 15% of their cap to one player that wasn't on the roster. It's just not very likely. He, if he doesn't bounce back and bounce back in a big way, it's highly problematic. That contract is highly problematic. And what does that mean? Well, okay, nine and seven, for example, was the scenario that the texture put out. Boom, nine and seven. Not bad. They're going to miss the playoffs. The danger is, is that they make Russell Wilson just good enough to turn them into pretenders not actual contenders. And that's because, now, if, if you could transport them over into the NFC, we, we might have an entirely different conversation. But we're not talking about the NFC. We're talking about the AFC. So coming in and going 9-7, and seven, which is not a bad thing, and I think that's probably likely where they're going to be. 8-8, eight and eight, not 8-8, 8-9, eight and eight, eight and nine, nine and you know, nine and eight, something like that, right? Because nine and seven can't do, by the way, because we have that extra game. I know we all still get tripped up by it. It's not a big deal, right? But let's say they get to nine wins. That's impressive. That means they've improved four wins over last season. That means they're absolutely trending in the right direction. And I think that's fair. And I don't think that means Sean Payton didn't do a good job. But from a Russell Wilson perspective, to be getting your money, it puts you in a tight spot, right? Because James is right. When, when James is talking about this contract, what he's talking about is his point is, you know, the, the big contract doesn't actually, you know, kick in until the next season. Actually, two seasons from now, actually. He goes to $55 million in uh, 2025. Right? But so then you have to make a decision. Okay, well, if we're 9, 9, and 8 this season – and we feel like we've gotten the maximum out of Russell Wilson, what do we do? I don't think you're going to cut the guy. You have to ride him out for another year. Or two. I think probably two is more realistic because unless you just at some point say, we got to bite the bullet and we're spending 35 to $40 million over the next couple seasons or a season or two to just get rid of this guy, well, then that sets you back. Like, he continually sets you back when you have to make the decision to move on from him. Well, the problem is you're in this conference where you have, because this is what we were talking about, like I was talking about with Dante before the show. Okay, how good do you think he's going to get during the course of this contract? And I, I, I love James, and I love the optimism, because we're all – we're all hopeful that the Broncos are going to get better. But is it realistic to think not only next year, because even if James thinks, well, next year Russell Wilson can have a really big year and get back to similar to what he was, which is what James is saying. And it's not 
insane to think that Russell Wilson would better coaching. I think the bigger issue is the roster has not significantly been upgraded. To also do a you know time machine warp back three years ago to prime Russell Wilson, three, four, five years ago to prime Russell Wilson. It's just not likely that you know quarterbacks, athletes in general, have their prime, and then they have a natural decline. And what James is expecting is Russell Wilson had a prime, which was a very good prime, is as whether you like it or not, he's had a decline over the last couple of years. And injuries have been a part of that, but it's been there. Now to say, well, for the next three or four years, he's going to go right back into his prime. It just doesn't happen very often. You can name a one-off season or two where it happens. Aaron Rodgers, for example, he got motivated, super motivated for, for money. He did it. Brett Favre had one season at close to 40 where he came back and played out of his mind. It just doesn't happen very often where you have a steep decline and by the way, Aaron Rodgers was definitely declining, so I'll give you that. Like, Brett Favre was you know, kind of a little bit of a different situation. He was bouncing around. But it just doesn't happen very often. Every once in a while, you can see a quarterback come around, have a renaissance for a little while. But you're asking Russell Wilson to come back. And what James's point is, is, well, we're going to save a bunch of money because we're not going to be paying $75 million, which I don't think these quarterbacks are going to be making $75 million a year three three years from now. I guess it's possible, but if that's the case, then the cap is 60 to $80 million more per year than it is now. I mean, they're projecting that the cap is going up $20 million per year every year, which will lead to the higher salaries. But if you look at the top quarterbacks in the league, do you think that Russell Wilson is ever going to be better than Patrick Mahomes? Probably not likely. Is he going to get better than Joe Burrow? Probably not likely. Jalen Hurts, the book is still out on Jalen Hurts, but most people, I would say, are would if they had to bet or really put something on it, they would say Jalen Hurts is a smarter, smarter for the money, right? Josh Allen, same thing. Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert is still unproven, but knowing what we know, you would probably say Justin Herbert that Russell Wilson is not going to become more productive over the next three to four years, which is what would have to take place for this contract to actually be worth it under James's scenario, than Justin Herbert. Now, Aaron Rodgers is on the list, for example. Aaron Rodgers, who knows? He's done in a year or two. So I think it's say it's fair to say, well, if Russell Wilson is still on the team in three or four years, well, Aaron Rodgers is not going to be in the conversation, so that's okay. Lamar Jackson, I'm not a big Lamar Jackson guy. I think it's kind of gimmicky. I think he, he took the league by storm, and he's in a decline, state of decline. So is it possible that Russell Wilson could three years from now be outperforming Lamar Jackson? I think that's possible. Trevor Lawrence, most people think would take Trevor Lawrence. So now we're at like seven, seven to eight range. Like that's kind of best case scenario for like a Russell Wilson to even be remotely worth the money under James's thing. And then you got you got a bunch of other guys that could shoot way above him, like a Dak Prescott, a Deshaun Watson, um, Kirk Cousins, I'm not going to put in that conversation. Um, Tua Tungavaloa, which, you know, I'm sheepish on him even as a Dolphins fan. 
Um, Kyler Murray, I think he's he's kind of shot a little bit. Um, and then this, you know, kind of cast of, you know, younger guys. But there's, you know, there's a handful of other guys out there, Jordan Love maybe, um, of these younger guys that could shoot way up. And then you're not even talking about Russell Wilson being even remotely top 10. So the reason James's ar- argument is not absurd, right, because, yes, the newer batch of quarterbacks are definitely going to make more money for most of that contract than Russell Wilson. I mean, Russell Wilson does have one year where he's going to make $58 million. He's going to make close to $60 million if he's on the roster. So let's not pretend. Okay, so Joe Burrow, I think Joe Burrow's average probably is going to be $60 million. 60, maybe 65. So it's not like a dramatic savings. And I just don't think it's realistic to make this argument. Well, you're, you're doing a lot better or it's a great value. Russell Wilson's contract is a great value because he's not going to be producing anywhere near the same level that Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, and Patrick Mahomes are going to be producing at. I just don't think it's fair to Russell Wilson. I don't think it's fair to Sean Payton. I don't think it's fair to the Broncos. And I appreciate the Nazem Kadri comparison, but I don't think that's fair either. Because the thing with Nazem Kadri is you absolutely could have expected him to be a top a top line player, a top, you know, either play on the, you know, when I say top line, like it, he might be in the second line. I mean, this year he wouldn't have been, right, with Landis Gog out and next year. So he would have been a top line player, but he wouldn't have been a top of the league type player, a top producing type player for several years of this contract. If the Avs had given him a five, six, or seven year deal, he may have way underperformed the final two or three years, but hopefully we have two or three more cups, championships in the trophy case. Nazem Kadri is still playing at a much higher level than we've seen out of Russell Wilson for the last couple of years. And I just don't think it's fair to say that Russell Wilson is going to play anywhere close to the level of production of a Joe Burrow, a Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts. It's just not, it's just really not likely. So he's just in no world is he worth really what you're saying is at best the, if Russell Wilson can find a way to salvage his career, it's not as much, the contract is not as much of an abomination as we think. But I think most of us, most of us that are clear minded and not looking with orange and blue sunglasses are saying Sean Payton can come in here, have somewhat of a resurrection of Russell Wilson where he's serviceable, where he's not an embarrassment like he was last year from a football perspective, not personally. There's not personal attacks, but from a football perspective, you literally had fans that were season ticket holders that were embarrassed to be in the stands, guys that never left that were like, dude, I can't even watch this. We're not, we're, the Colts games, for example, they're, they're still, they could win the game. They're in overtime and fans are streaming out because they just don't believe anymore. It was embarrassing from a professional perspective. So it's a reasonable expectation to say, well, Sean Payton is a better coach. And he can salvage some of this. And he can make Russell Wilson be better. But to say that he's going to be, I don't know, man, like a 12 or 13 win guy and 4,000 yards and 35, 35 to 40 touchdowns. And he's going to be in that MVP conversation anymore when you have these young crops of quarterbacks that are killing it. I just don't think it's realistic. 
I don't think it's realistic at all. Um, but I, it's a good discussion. It's a, and I will uh, check out James's article on Monday on DenverSports.com. You know who we will ask about this? Andrew Mason from DenverSports.com, our senior Broncos writer. We'll get a, in touch with him coming up next. So, we'll be getting Andrew Mason here in just a minute. Um, there's some text in the meantime. It says, Dan, you can't pretend that the last two years didn't happen. You also can't give it too much weight. The most recent is the most relevant, but that's not all that's relevant. James is weighing the previous 10 years too much, and you are weighing the most recent too much. Should be 40-60-ish with the most recent performance higher. You can't ignore the new team, new offense, etc., and James can't ignore the Seattle record in his last year. You're both being biased to make an argument. Nice job. Love the show. Mostly. I actually agree with you. And so if you if you actually listen to what my end conclusion is, I think you would agree with me, which is it's perfectly reasonable to say that Russell Wilson will b- bounce back to some extent. I don't think it's reasonable, though, to think he's going to be every bit as good as he was five or six years ago. I don't even think they're going to try that. What you've heard from Sean Payton is that I think they're going to try and minimize the damage that Russell Wilson has fallen into. Now, my own analysis is when I've viewed Russell Wilson and looked at tape and things like that is that he is in a decline. He's in a natural decline that happens to athletes. Father time is undefeated, and that's the way it works. And I think he's the decline has started from him. And I agree with you, Texter. Does that mean he's at a zero? No. I don't, do I think he can still play the position and be helped in some of his deficiencies being masked by coaching and things like that? Yes. Now, one of the issues that I've been talking about for a long time, though, is we expected him to come in and make this roster a whole lot better. Well, he didn't, and the roster is not a whole lot better. They made the improvements, given the confines that they had, the restrictions that they've had. They made the improvements that they believed they could in the offseason, they being Sean Payton and George Payton. But it's not a finished product yet. It wasn't a one-year product, and okay, we're just going to be Super Bowl contenders all of a sudden. So you're not getting the benefit of, okay, well, we came in and our roster's set now. Like, there are deficiencies all over this roster. And, again, it's the same thing. Because when people hear me, like when I was on the drive for a week, talking about the deficiencies in the roster, when I say things like, okay, well, Cortland Sutton, the, the wide receiver room is not dynamic. Like, we're expecting, just because Sean Payton's here, that, this wide receiver room that we have always expected to be great, and it's never been great, and it's just not a great bunch of receivers. It's just not. And for us to now magically think they're going to become something they've never been is not realistic. But does that mean they none of them belong in the league? No. They Can they play the position? Yes. Are they going to get us to a championship this year? No. They need to upgrade Across the board, they're playmakers. They just need to. Like, Corlin Sutton, in his prime, was a borderline top 20 receiver. At his best. Now, he's 
two years into, now going to year three, a clear decline. Is he all of a sudden going to be top 10, top five? Not realistic. So we'll bring Andrew Mason into this conversation. Uh, Andrew Mason, senior Broncos writer for DenverSports.com, joining us. Mr. Mason, how are you, sir? I'm doing very well, Dan. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. You are perfect for this conversation because I just had a nice debate with James, who will have an article on DenverSports.com, about the Russell Wilson contract and about how it's actually not that bad, but the caveat being that Russell Wilson, as long as he bounces back and becomes a top quarterback again, it's actually going to be a very nice contract and that James will be doing a victory lap, saying, hey, um, that actually is very good because, you know, Joe Burrow's going to be making $75 million a year and we're only going to be paying Russell Wilson fifty fifty five. What are your thoughts on something like that? Well, for it to be a discount, he has to be playing uh, uh, at or very near that level, right, of Joe Burrow? And, yes. Um, and basically what we're, we'd be talking about there to be a – to be a discount and to say to where you'd feel good about it, he's got to be a top ten quarterback. Even on the bottom end of that, would probably be sufficient to where you say that. And the thing is, it's it's not like this remains static. And you know, it's not like he's only competing against those who are already top ten quarterbacks, right? I mean, uh, the game it's it's always changing. I mean, there's a very good chance that Trevor Lawrence joins that group of top-shelf quarterbacks, right? And uh, does that push Russell Wilson further down? And then, of course, you have Caleb Williams and Drake May probably coming into the league next year, and uh, certainly hopes are high for them. The, the dynamic is, all, is, is always changing in terms of how many quarterbacks and which quarterbacks are pushing to be in that top ten. And Wilson's not getting any younger. I mean, it is... It is still the best shot. The best shot for the Broncos is Russell Wilson getting this right, Sean Payton getting him right, and uh, and going forward with that. But um, it's yeah, if for it to be a discount and to where you feel good about the contract, he's got to be at a pretty high level, right? Well, that was my exact point, and it's not just that he has to be at a high level next year, okay, or this year, right? Three years from now. Four years from now, he has to be playing at a top of the league, top five level. Otherwise, it's not a discount at all. How likely do you think that is based on what you've seen out of Russell Wilson? That he'll go from not just from bad to good, but from bad to three years from now, one of the best in the league. I mean, at this point, I hate saying how likely it is because we've seen so little. I mean, basically, I've had my eyes on six practices with Sean Payton and that's it um, There, the thing that is in his favor is that um, there is a history of quarterbacks who had second primes as they got into their mid to late 30s it happened for Tom Brady it happened for Peyton Manning it happened for Drew Brees um, all of these guys they kind of they dipped a bit, and then they went back up. And you could even say for some, the second prime was better than the first prime. But the thing is, they didn't dip to the degree that Russell Wilson dipped last year. We weren't talking about these quarterbacks being among the bottom quarter of the league in various metrics, the way Russell Wilson was. And so he's got quite a hole to climb out of compared to some of these other quarterbacks who dip, but maybe dip to where you were talking about, oh, in a given year or two, they were like the 10th or 11th best quarterback, and then they found it. With Russell Wilson last year, he was legitimately across the board 
bottom bottom five to seven quarterback in the league. Right. Like, I don't remember, because this is the exact conversation that we were James and I were having. I don't remember those guys. Like, like Peyton Manning had an injury and then came back, and his numbers were off the charts, right? But he, he never was like, oh, well, he just fell off a map for no reason. Tom Brady started, they just started winning differently, but they were winning titles the entire time. Right. Um, now, there were a couple years there when they had Randy Moss when they said, we're going we're gonna to try and win with offense. And I think Bill Belichick soured on that. But I don't ever remember Tom Brady. Statistically, maybe they his numbers were different because they were trying to win differently. But I don't remember him as a quarterback having a decline. They were just winning differently. Like, I, I look at maybe Aaron Rodgers, who was disinterested and then got motivated because of money. Maybe that was, um, you know, motivating. But I don't remember a lot of quarterbacks having. It's interesting you said that. Second prime. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it's fair. I just I remember a little differently. Like there were just different seasons, but it wasn't like like our, our conclusion was the same. The Russell Wilson was a, a decline that seemed to be precipitated by Mother Nature, Mother Time, so to speak. And now we're going to be asking him to go back to probably something he's never. Uh, there were a couple years there where he was over four thousand yards and forty. You know, one year he had forty touchdowns, but it just doesn't seem realistic to me. Andrew, is Sean Payton even going to want him to do that? Like, is he going to ask a Russell Wilson to to produce like Drew Brees, like five thousand yards and fifty touchdowns? Probably not right away. I mean, I th- this year it's going to be emphasis on on running the ball. This may end up looking a little bit like some of those Seattle offenses in terms of the run pass ratio. If if things go a certain way, the other thing is if you're at if you're asking Russell Wilson to do the things that he's done best, and that is he flourishes when you get beyond the play structure and things break down and he can improv. That's always been where you've seen a lot of the best of Russell Wilson. But that means you're also exposing himself to you're exposing him to additional contact, to getting hit more. And he's going to turn 35 later this year. How does he end up handling that? And how do you account for that going forward? Because uh, the thing is, if you want to turn him into a Drew Brees type of quarterback, where you know just two you know quick two steps back, you know find find a guy on a slant, you know everything is designed for kind of quickness and rhythm and tempo. That's something that takes a couple of years, really. It's not something that's going to happen in an off season, and. In the meantime, to to get him back on the right track, you've got to do some of the things that he's done very well over the years. You're not going to remake Russell Wilson just at, at once, but you have to go back and do the things that he's done well because otherwise, if not, he, you don't keep him around beyond this year. You eat the contracting and you, and you move on. So really, I mean, he's got to kind of show some progress this year to where you can say, okay, let's look a couple of years out as we're kind of trying to remake Russell Wilson and allow him to play deep into his 30s and play out this contract and be and, and be effective. You're just going to have to look at the, at the progress he's made to determine uh, whether at that fork in the road next March, you say, all right, we're going to guarantee his 2025 salary and keep going down the road. So talk to me about the contract. Uh, if So let's say the assumption is you can cut him, but you have to break up $80 million over two years or $70 million yes. over two 80, years. $85 million over two years, yeah. Because okay, so that's over $40 million a year. Yes. I mean, that's but crippling, is it? It is, is but at the same time, it's not as bad as all of a sudden if you if you 
if you have him on the team for the uh, for the I believe it's the fifth day of the next league year in 2024. If he's still there, that's another 37 million that gets tacked onto it. Uh, that was that's his 2025 salary that becomes guaranteed. So it's a it's sort of a, it's a sunk cost thing, right? If if you don't see a path for him to come back to being the the Russ of his salad days, then you're going to probably have to swallow hard. Except except that, and then the unfortunate thing is. If you did that and you went with a young quarterback, you'd have the young cost-controlled quarterback, but you'd be burning off a couple of potentially effective years with that con- with, with that uh, contract that you were still paying out on Russell Wilson. But it's a question of do you want if, if you don't see a way back for him, if he struggles this year again, do you want to just keep flushing even more money down, or do you just swallow the pill and move on? It's not. It's the options aren't great for the Broncos if Russell Wilson doesn't work out here this year if it doesn't if it doesn't go well for him this year because yeah you're you'd be excited to potentially get a young quarterback in uh, next year's draft but at the same time you're going to have to eat that you're going to have to eat that money right and that's money that you could spend that, that you could spend elsewhere i mean the the Walm, the, the Walton largesse will only take you but so far because this is a salary cap based league well then what do you do if he comes back and he's mediocre uh man you mean this year mediocre? Or? Yeah, this year mediocre. If if he's mediocre, I think you probably have to you have to think about moving on. I really do. Like if he, if he is mediocre, and it, it but it depends how he gets there. Does he start fast and then fade, or is he getting better as the season goes on? The trajectory is going to matter in that equation. If he is taking to the teachings of Sean Payton. And improving and showing the signs that he's headed back in a direction that will allow him to be a really good quarterback and like and have that sort of second prime to which I alluded earlier in this conversation, then I think you continue going down the path. But if if there are if there are bumps that be, that that become true problems that call you know cause things to break down, and then another thing that could come into play is. Uh, if he if injuries return return again and he misses multiple games, I mean this is a guy who was amazingly durable for the first nine for the first eight seasons of his career. Actually, at nine seasons, pardon me, twenty twelve through twenty twenty, didn't miss a game, and he missed three games in twenty one. He missed a couple of games last year. I mean, what if we're talking about him missing five games this year? That's something that has to come into your decision making process too. Yeah, I noticed. So you did your article on uh, the Madden ratings. It was very detailed on it, and they still for all the faults they have for him in Madden. They actually have him, don't they have him like a 97 on the injury f- scale? Yeah, but the, most players have pretty high ratings on that. That's, you know, that's that's not unusual to be 97. But he's got two straight years where injuries have been an issue. Yeah, but he hasn't missed like 10 games. He hasn't missed a whole season. He's missed three games and two games. Right. Well, in his in his defense, I mean, that's you're you're going to get a downgrade there if you're coming off of like a season-ending ACL or something like that. If you miss just a handful of games, it's not going to affect your injury rating all that much. So interesting on that. Um, how and I'm 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 thinking about um, the. Are you watching the quarterbacks Netflix documentary? I, I've seen parts of it. I, I've. Other, I was around people where I was on a little bit of a vacation about a week ago, and other people around me were watching it and binging it, and I just didn't have time at that time. So I, I saw bits and pieces. Like I, I saw the Kirk Cousins scene 
after the, the loss to the Giants where uh, he and his wife are driving home and they pull in the garage and she reminds him, oh, by the way, it's trash night. <laughs> right. I, I, it's, it, it's a, that is a great scene because, like, it's not only that, but then he goes and he, like, he's, you know, having bath time and reading with his kids and all that. Sort of the, the, the reminder of, you know, life, life going on, right, for these quarter, for these guys. It's not just about uh, what they do on the field and what we see. It's, you know, a, a lot of stuff that's uh, very familiar to, to the general population. Yeah, you know what's been interesting for me is a lot of guys are seeing this and freaking out, but it's it's not that much different than other of these types of programs that we've seen before. It's a nice peek behind the curtain. It's still controlled. It's still, you know, there's positive spins on it, and there's still it's still not 100% all access, right? Um, but it, it gives us a peek, but it's, it's not an unusual peek that we haven't seen. Um, some of it's very similar to Hard Knocks to be honest with you. Um, some of it's similar to other NFL films things. I, I mean, I've, I've seen other NFL films things that I've actually found more revealing. But one of the things is um, some of the things that they go through as far as these quarterbacks, as far as, you know, mentally to try and, you know, keep that mental edge. Like Kirk Cousins, for example, he does see a sports psychologist. Um, he also has some brainwave thing that he's doing on there that, you know, is, is quite interesting. Tom Brady, of course, was... Um, famous for, you know, he has a whole line of thinking, the TB12 method, which he believes can, you know, literally just ward off injury 100%, right, if you do things the right way. Well, Russell Wilson had the uh, supposed concussion water a few years ago, right? Remember that? I did not remember the concussion water, no. Like concussion, like uh, water that supposedly helped uh, you recover from uh, injuring concussion faster. Oh, okay. So um, everybody's got something. But he's got, you know, he had his guru that was, you know, the the neutral thinking guy that unfortunately passed away. That Ryan Leaf has mm-hmm. talked about. How prevalent is that? Like, like Peyton Manning? Uh, did he have any of that, or is it just he was he was his own guru? Everybody today has gurus and people around them. I mean, that's the, the that's the thing. They've all got personal, you know, personal coaches, personal people. But not. Uh, well, I'm, I'm talking specifically. I'm not talking about like a coach, right? They all have their coaches, but like the mental guys, the 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 real, the muse, the guru, the the the, the philosophical next plane type guys. If they, it helps you, that's the thing. I mean, it, everyone's wired differently, right? There there are some people who won't respond to that sort of thing. That, uh, it, that 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 you you try that and kind of honestly, and I, I'm kind of one of those people that people you know you, you try that sort of thing with me, and I tend to kind of look askance at it. I'm not wired that way, but if you're wired that way to kind of receive uh, such things and get something out of them, then hey, if it helps you do it, I mean, just you know, I think it's it's not a one size fits all deal here for these for these quarterbacks and what they need and what helps them get into the right headspace to do to do the job as effectively as they want to do. I think, and I'll ask you to kind of address this, that one of the interesting things about this show, though, is it shows them studying, and which is no surprise. Like, we all know they study really hard, but, and you, I, I want you to talk about this, and, and they don't talk about this in the show, but here's what I think about. These guys are studying really hard to know the playbooks as well as they can, and like in Kansas City, they're letting them come up with some of their own plays, Right. Um, but Peyton Manning was at such a different level that he was actually doing it himself. Like he was creating 
that he was he wasn't learning the terminology. He was creating the terminology, and like he knew the playbook because he was create helping. Like he didn't create the playbook, but like he was creating game plans in his mind and things like that. Do you remember like what a different like how different it was for Peyton Manning versus these guys that are literally it's just everything they can just to learn what they need to learn on a week to week basis. Peyton, I would say, had a mind unlike any other that I've been around, um, and I think. Sometimes when I would observe uh, just some of the locker room interactions when we were in there and you kind of got that slice of life and you kind of and you, you'd see on the field and you kind of overhear and, and glean some things. Um, the thing with Peyton is that he was he was on such another plane in terms of how his how his brain was and kind of the details that he could absorb without thinking about it. I mean, it's it, to some degree. He had kind of the the Will Hunting brain, right? Do you remember yeah. uh, in Good Will Hunting where he's like, you know, he, he when it you know, when it comes to the stuff like the the, the math and the, the mathematics and everything, like he says, hey, I I, I can just play, like right. you know, I, I can't I can't sit here and uh, hit the ball out of Fenway or you know write you a song, but I can do this. Peyton, for whatever reason, his mind was attuned to absorbing all sorts of information and just kind of processing it so fast. And I think if, if anything happens sometimes, it would be um, – there could be a level of frustration uh, when somebody either wasn't on that level or, or there was a perception that the guy wasn't kind of doing what it took to get on that level. I mean, you remember – we all remember, for example, um, in the playoff game many years ago, Peyton yelling an epithet at Donald Brown, right, when – he missed something, and we know we saw Peyton getting upset with with Cody Latimer uh, during games back in the mid 2010s um, when they when they weren't on the same page. But I do also know this: like Peyton understood this enough to where he would encourage his teammates. If you've got a question, ask me. We'll talk about it. Um, I remember like the, the back when C.J. Anderson was playing for the Broncos. It, sometimes in the locker room, just in the time that we were there in the media. You'd see CJ kind of asking Peyton about this, that, and the other because you know, if you were willing to ask Peyton, you know, he would he would sit there and spend the time to help you get it right because he knew it it helped the team get it right. But he also understood that okay, everybody's got to kind of absorb things differently. It, it came naturally to Peyton. It doesn't come as naturally to other guys. Peyton was just was and is someone who has a very special and high level mind, it, and that that's and I always believed. Watching him and studying him, I always and I still that that was his superpower, and it certainly it's, it's why it's a big part of why the Broncos won the Super Bowl when his body was betraying him. The mind was still on a high level. Those two touchdowns in the AFC Championship game, he identifies coverage quickly, makes it makes a change, touchdown. Owen Daniels, both of them. That's that 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 was what he could do better than anybody I've ever seen. Yeah. All right, camp's coming up. Camp comeback, as we're calling it, doing T-shirt drops and things like that. What are you most looking forward to? What, what? By the way, what year of camp is this for you, and what are you looking most forward to? Broncos camp or just all camps, like in, in, on the NFL beat? Like, yeah, both. Okay, this is my um, 20th Broncos camp. It's my 22nd NFL training camp that I've covered on an everyday basis. Wow, outstanding. Yeah, it's been, it's, it's been a minute. Yes. It's been a while, yeah. Um, um, what are you looking what, forward to? Ooh, I'm, I'm, first of all, I'm looking forward to seeing how Sean Payton runs training camp. Every coach has their own different spin on it, but we've already seen 
in OTAs and minicamp just how unique Sean Payton's spin on it is compared to especially some of the, some of the recent coaches, but even compared to coaches who I, you'd say are on his level, kind of like uh, Mike Shanahan, who whose camp we saw many times here in Denver. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing that. I'm really fascinated to see some of the competitions on the roster because I believe there is the potential for more dynamic movement up and down the depth chart for some young players than there has been. And and, and I think part of it is that we all kind of look at the roster and we think we know, okay, well, this guy's coming back at this position. You know, he's he's in good shape. But you have a new coaching staff coming in. And, and Sean Payton is somebody who is not afraid to say, oh, well, I drafted – yeah, we drafted this guy in the third round, but this undrafted player is just better or this seventh rounder is just better, and that guy's going to get the role. He did that with Marcus Colston back in 06 in New Orleans Saints camp. So I would say there's going to be more competition than people expect. It's going to be more dynamic, and I would not be surprised if we get to the the roster deadline and there are some moves, maybe a trade or two, that stun people because they'd be names that people know around here and are familiar with. But Peyton and the coaches have an, an idea that somebody coming up who's younger is a better fit. So that's that, that's the thing to kind of pay attention to and see uh, how, the, how it develops over the next six, seven weeks. All right, you're the best. We appreciate it. We'll be looking out for your work on denversports.com. All righty. Good talking to you, Dan. Have a good one. All right. That's Andrew Mason. If you want to react to anything he said, it's your chance. Coming up next. We are always running for the thrill of it, thrill of it. Always pushing up the hill, searching for the thrill of it. All that All right, thanks to Andrew Mason. That music for me, thanks. This one says Peyton Manning would watch film and say the running back wasn't holding the ball fake long enough on the play action. That's the kind of detail he was looking for. Yeah, so that's what kind of the conversation we're having. I've been watching this quarterback show like everybody has on Netflix. It's actually kind of cool because my wife is watching it with me. We're kind of doing an episode every night or so. She's she's liking the the stuff with the wives and the at home stuff. And I kind of like the football stuff a little bit. but And that's what's striking me is because, like, you, you, D-Mac and Matt Smith and, and James and some of these guys are watching this and their minds are blown by what's going on. And to me, none of this is all that surprising, but it reminds me of the – how much – how deep – how much how next level Peyton Manning was, right? And the stories we would hear – about Peyton Manning, like how he was running things. Like like on this show, they're talking about the, the, the verbiage for the plays and where it comes from. And like I'm telling my wife, I says, Peyton Manning would write the verbiage. Like he would, and it would be funny because you, you know, we've heard stories from like Orlando or other teammates of, of Peyton Manning, like where they would get the names from, like from the NCAA tournament, like Carolina was because of, like all these just weird things, it was fascinating to see how Peyton's brain worked. Like one of my favorite stories is Orlando, which has told on the air, would be 
you know, the year before they had Tim Tebow, right? And and they had to Tim like Tim Tebow was essentially just this is my take on it. it was he was just kind of just kind of clueless as to how a lot of things were happening. He was thrown to the wolves. They were just trying to cobble together this offense to just try and win football games. And so one of the things like Orlando and I think it was Chris Cooper, but it was whoever was playing next to him had to do was like if they saw something, they would have to look back and check, tell Tebow to check out of a play because something was going to happen and that play wasn't going to work. And so the next year came and Peyton Manning was there and they went to him and they say, Peyton, you know, you know what you're doing. Do you want us to do that? And Peyton said, yes. Right. So the same thing would happen. You know, this this defender would line up here and they would they turn back on like on this one particular play, for example. And they're like, this play's not going to work. They turn back. They say, Peyton, you know, check out, blah, blah, blah. And Peyton says, no, he waves off the check and they run the play and it's a touchdown. And they go back to the huddle and they says, well, what happened, Peyton? Like, how did you know? Or, you know, we, we told you to check out because we saw this. He goes, yeah, yeah, I saw that too. However, I also saw this chess piece and this chess piece further down the field. So I knew that the play was going to be a big play and it turned out to be a touchdown. So he was like at such a next level. Like he was like, yes, I want you to communicate with me. But then he still already just knew. But he, he wanted that safety check valve. But he was playing on such another level, which is you know one of these topics we're going to talk about um, I don't know if we'll talk about next segment or later in the show or maybe tomorrow is like the media is just so I, I wonder what the media thinks when they're doing their analysis. And maybe that's why they've been so wildly off about the Broncos expectations for the last six, seven years. I don't know because a lot of this stuff is not brand new at all. And like if you paid attention to the way Mike Shanahan ran things uh, or just the way Tom Brady's been conducting himself or the way Peyton Manning conducted himself, like the way that these guys operate like, none of this should be new to anybody. It doesn't mean it's not interesting. It is interesting. But it should not be new to members of the media that are doing their jobs. It should give them, like, maybe a new wrinkle. But this should not be mind-blowing to anybody. So um, I had Nate Jackson on last week, and he was he was kind of the same thoughts. Like, what? Like, this this is not new. All right, uh, we'll continue rolling on along. One more hour of the Dan Jacobs Show on a beautiful Saturday here in the Mile High City.